we find the Sermon on the Mount. So today we'll take an overview uh, of the Sermon on the Mount and see a little bit more, hopefully, about what's happening in that particular chapter, uh, in that particular sermon. Um, let me just catch us up quickly of where we were last week. The last half of chapter 4 uh, we saw Jesus move uh, and begin his public ministry. He left his hometown of Nazareth. He then moved about 18 miles north uh, east or so to a little town called Capernaum, which is on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. So he moved home base. That will then be the base of his ministry for uh, the, all the way till the end of his, of his life, actually. And so he has done that in fulfillment of prophecy, is what we saw. And this is the 11th specific fulfillment of prophecy that we see in Matthew. So Matthew's alerting us to the fact that uh, fulfillment has begun in the life of Jesus, even at his birth, in the events that surround his birth. And so Matthew's going to chart for us different kinds of fulfillment, which point us to have plenty of evidence and conviction that Jesus is the Messiah. He's the one. So Matthew's building his case. We've now seen 11 prophecies that he has fulfilled. That move was intentional. Jesus did it uh, to fulfill what Isaiah had written in chapter 9, verses 1 to about 6 or so. If you want to go back and read that, you can, Isaiah chapter 9. But Jesus is fulfilling that prophecy. Second, we followed Jesus and watched him begin to call his disciples. So Jesus walked along the shore of Galilee. We went with him and he called two sets of brothers, uh, Peter and Andrew, and then James and John. They were fishing partners, so they were small businessmen, had a little fishing company that they worked together, and Jesus called them. We also saw that they knew him for about a year or so before that call, and, but prior to that, Jesus's ministry had not been public. And so now, beginning at this chapter, we see Jesus' ministry is going public. Jesus is no longer hiding. He's no longer uh, out of the view of people. He's now putting himself forward and drawing attention to himself. John the Baptist was the pointer who said, this is he who has taken, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the earth. And so then Jesus now in this new phase calls his disciples and he says, follow me. They did. They left everything. They left their business. They left their ships, the, the boat, the fishing. They left parents. Uh, and last week, some of you were troubled by the fact that the disciples would leave their dad, elderly dad, with a fishing industry and just walk away and leave him. Um, Luke tells us that he actually had some servants who were with him. They did not completely abandon him. But we see a call from Jesus uh, guys, I have something for you to do now, and it's not fishing anymore. Jesus said to them, I will make you fishers of men. And they respond, all four of them wholeheartedly respond to the call of Jesus. And then the public ministry begins. And I want to read the last couple of verses of chapter 4. So if you're, if you're in your copy of Scripture, just go with me to the last couple of verses of chapter 4. This will help us get an understanding of what Matthew's doing and how it, this flows into chapter 5. So let me just read those two verses, 23 to 25. Now, uh, he went throughout all of Galilee, Jesus, of course, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and healing uh, and every affliction among the people. So his fame spread throughout all of Syria and they brought to him the sick, those afflicted with various diseases and pains and those oppressed by demons and those having seizures and paralytics and Jesus healed them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee and the Decapolis and from Jerusalem, Judea, and even from beyond the Jordan. 
So a couple of points to note here that I didn't quite bring out last week. Jesus is an itinerant preacher and and teacher. So he has one message. It is the message of the gospel of the kingdom. But you see, we are told he's traveling throughout an entire region as he's preaching. Now, he's got one message, and so he goes to one town, he preaches the same gospel message. He travels to another town, he preaches another gospel, it's the same gospel message, but he preaches again. And so this accounts for some of the variation that a lot of people have stumbled over as you read the gospel accounts and you see a story, or you, you hear a parable, you read a parable, but it's slightly different. Luke will record one. It sounds similar, but it's quite different. Some people have stumbled over this. And I just want to remind you, an itinerant preacher goes preaching a message which he will naturally sort of flavor to his audience. But he's preaching the same thing. So Jesus was, it was not one series of lectures that he gave in one location, but he's actually preaching in many different locations. And so there will be variations, just like when we had two services a while back, um, I would preach the same sermon in each service, but I would always say something slightly different or I would, a different analogy would come to my mind. It's, it's the same sermon, but it's different. Do you get what I'm saying? So sometimes people would stumble over the fact, well, Luke says it this way, Matthew says it this way. And I just, just want to keep before us an idea that as Jesus speaks to different languages or different, different cultures, because we have an entirely Gentile area. Galilee is majority Gentile, even though it's largely Jewish. And yet he's preaching the same message, but tweaking it here and there. So it doesn't prove inconsistency. It actually adds to the authenticity of it. But what Jesus is doing is preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So Jesus is a teacher. He is a teacher and a preacher. We saw that. And then we also see that Jesus is a healer. Now, I make note of this because um, a lot of people, we want to have Jesus as a great moral teacher, but we want to avoid that supernatural nonsense. Jesus won't allow that. He is a preacher and a teacher and a proclaimer of the kingdom. He's also a healer. He touches people. He's, he, is, he is a lecturer, you might say, but he is also a doctor. He proclaims the truth, but he also delivers from demons. He, he teaches the gospel elements of what it means to be in the kingdom of God. And then he demonstrates the power of that teaching by freeing people from demonic oppression and disease and all kinds of pains and afflictions. And this, this truth came to me as we were singing. We just sang about bowing before the Lord Jesus. I can't bow without significant pain because I had a knee surgery on Friday. So I have a little stool here I'm going to sit down on in just a minute because I was talking with the doctor and I said, "Uh, can I preach on Sunday? And he said, well, it all depends on how long you preach. Uh, And I said, I typically go 30 to 40 minutes. And he said, no, not 30 to 40 minutes. You you can preach for five or 10, you can stand up, but you need to sit down if you're going to preach for longer than 10 minutes or so. So I'm going to be seated here in just a minute. But nonetheless, um, as I pictured bowing before Jesus, uh, the knee problem is going to be fixed. He's going to take care of, of all of the physical issues. When you bow before him one day, no physical problem. Every ailment, gone. The, the body that is failing some of us as we get older, uh, it'll be corrected. And, and there will be no physical pain in bowing before Jesus. In fact, there will be great joy. We will bow before him with great delight in the thrill of our soul 
to stand before our Lord and our God and our maker with great joy and no knee pain. Jesus is a healer as well as a teacher, and we need to receive him as both. He is authoritative in doctrine 